Just a friendly reminder that if you wish to support the ministries of this podcast or the local church in which I serve, you may send any donations to 563 East Main Street, Philadelphia, Mississippi, 39350, care of Henry's Chapel, UMC. This week, as I was getting ready to give a devotional, I was reading in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 21. And as I read through this today, I'm going to stop every now and then and just kind of reflect as to what's going on before we jump into this sermon. So Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 21 says this, So then remember, that at one time you Gentiles by birth called the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. And so what this is pointing out to verses 11 and 12 when we hear that is that it's pointing out that there is a division of who has been in and who is not in the and who's on the margins of the church, who is allowed in and who is not. And it is marked by a physical representation even. But that there is a there is a wall that has gone up of who's allowed and who's not allowed in. And then we continue with verse 13 where it says, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. In, in his flesh, he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us. And so verses 13 and 14 point to this fact that through Jesus Christ, those that were once cast out, those that were once left outside by the walls that were built by human hands and human desires have been broken down and that Christ's peace, not hostility, not anger, not hatred, not violence, Christ's peace welcomes in all, brings both groups together, breaks down the dividing wall of hostility, and welcomes all in. And in verse 15, it says, He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances, that he might create in himself one new humanity in which, uh, in which place of the two, thus making peace, and might reconcile those groups to God in one body, through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. And so he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. And so what this is ultimately telling us is that Christ came and demolished that and sought to reconcile, bring back together those that were created to be one, that we would not be divided by those things of human nature, but that we would be brought together in the body of Christ. For through him... Uh, both of us have access to one spirit to the Father. And so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God. He's welcoming them in and saying, you're no longer some distant person, but you are welcomed into the family. Built up, in verse 20, built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord 
Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. And so what he's saying is we are all built together with Christ being the cornerstone that holds all of us together. And as I kind of read that and I thought about getting ready for this Devo, I started thinking about divisions and conflicts as that are very prevalent in our world. And I want you to think about a conflict that you are experiencing right now. Imagine it's a brick wall built between you and the person or the group of people. How do you build a wall? Well, of course you build it brick by brick. And each of those bricks in your wall are moments in time. They're actions taken or left untaken. They are words spoken or left unsaid. It is love withheld or hate extended. Brick after brick is laid down until the wall is so high and thick that it seems impossible to change. Can you see the walls? You don't have to look very far to know that conflict and division is prevalent in our world. While we are more connected than we've ever been, That this is the most divided that I can recall our world ever being as well. As you log on to Facebook or Twitter, if you turn on your radio or TV or even talk to a friend or family member, you realize that everywhere walls are going up. Walls of division and hate, of fear and anxiety. And as we judge and gossip about, hurt, neglect, abuse, exploit, oppress, and even hate our neighbor, the walls continue to grow brick by brick. And while we know that these walls exist on a global level where nations are, con- are constantly clashing against nation, we also have too readily seen them on a national level where everything seems to be a divisive issue, whether it be mask or no mask, Republican or Democrat, vaccine, no vaccine, Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter, All Lives Matter. And while none of these thoughts unto themselves keep me from loving my neighbor, why have they created walls in our communities, in our churches, and in our lives? In a world that's claiming to seek love, why do we choose hate? In a world that's choosing, that chooses division instead of diversity. And I think that the reality is that somehow we have mistaken unity for uniformity. That we envision this coming together as one, as that we all need to look the same, act the same, vote the same, be the same that we must be uniform instead of unified. And this is not only prevalent in our worldly beliefs and our worldly thoughts, but it also seeped its way into our churches. I'm reminded of my first adventure in youth ministry as a young 20-something-year-old going into youth ministry and thinking I had it all figured out and saying, we are going to paint the youth room. That was the first thing that I decided we were going to do as a youth. And now to give some background information about the youth group in which I was serving, you had the inner city public school students that lived in the community that walked to the church, but you also had those that were attending the private schools that lived in the surrounding communities that traveled in. And while these lines were, yes, economic, they were also labeled by race. And so what happened is as we came into the youth group uh, and we're getting ready to paint the walls, 
There were those that wanted to, to, to plan it out, those that had grown up in the church and had thought about this forever, and their parents gave, and they knew what they wanted the church to look like. And then there were those that came in with just wanting to paint and have fun, and, and, they, and those were the ones that had not really thought about it and not really. And so what happened is we took the can, lids off the can of the paint. Before I could say anything, there was one splattered wall, painted wall already in that youth room. Well, the thought went, Let's go ahead and splatter paint the other one. Before I could say a word, it had been splatter painted. And those that had thought it through, those that had wanted to have a plan, they said, look, at, it turned into this, look at what they have done to our wall. And this became the dividing line. Well, yes, it was a dividing line of, of how we wanted the walls to look. It was also a divided line of race, of who has been present in the church growing, growing up there and who took quote-unquote ownership of that church. And so what happened was it was a look at what they have done. What are you going to do about it, Ryan? And I said, I'm not going to do anything. Um, there's three other walls. We can, make, we can get together. We can come together and fix this. And thinking that was the end of this discussion. I was naive in believing so. As the next Sunday, uh, as I'm sitting in church, I, found, I look up and I found that a couple of the youth had disappeared and thought maybe they had gone to the restroom. And, and so we sat and as church continued, it became later and later and I realized they had not come back. And I got up to go see where they were. And they had gone up to the youth room. And they had taken it upon themselves that they were going to paint over that wall. But they had not thought this through, which probably shows us some of the irrational behaviors that we have when we are acting out of hate and division. But they had not thought this through, and they started painting the wall, only to realize that they had run out of paint before they could paint the whole wall. And so now there was this glaring mark on the wall to show how ugly hate and division can be. And as we got up to the, as I got up to the youth room, they, I, the question became again, what are you going to do about it? And I said, this is not my problem to fix. But we're going to leave that mark there as a glaring resemblance of the hate and division to remind us of how ugly hate and division can be. And so that mark stayed on that wall. For what seemed like at least a year, it may not have been, but it stayed there for a while. And I can remember one day walking in and the youth group all being present saying, we want to paint the wall. And I said, I know you do. You've told me that before that you don't want like that ugly mark and you want it to be fixed. And they said, no, you're not listening. We, all of us want this painted, but we don't know what we want it to look like. We can't agree on that, but we just know that we are tired of being reminded of the hate and, and the division and we want to be unified and we want something we can be proud of. And so I remember talking with a buddy of mine who was majoring in art at Millsaps and I asked him what he would charge me to paint a wall. And I gave him this story and I said, I'm not really sure what I want it to look like. And he goes, I've got a perfect idea. I'll charge you what it costs for the paint if I can use it for my art portfolio. And I said, absolutely, you can do that. And so he began to paint a mural for us. And I will link this, an image to it. I will either make it the thumbnail or something, somehow let you allow you to see this image. But what he painted was a profile of the church 
and around it was all kinds of chaos with st- with stars and suns and moons and clouds and everything. And above it, it simply said, amidst the chaos, the church stands. And to me, it's a reminder. I got it printed as a canvas for me to have because it reminds me that though division and hate and chaotic things happen in our world, the church still stands. It's a reminder of what we hear in Galatians 3, verses 26 through 28, where it says, In Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ. And this is that reminder that we are not called to be uniform in our approach, but we are called to be united in our calling. You see, I think many times we hear this scripture and we say, oh, well, you can't be a Jew or Gentile. No, what is the call to be is to be one in Christ. One in love, grace, mercy, and peace. To love our neighbor more than we love our own thoughts, positions, and opinions. So what if, as you think about your own divisions, what if in your next disagreement, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, face-to-face, whatever, and whatever it be about race, politics, or whatever, a myriad of other issues, what if in your next disagreement you placed a higher price tag on the lives involved rather than the position that you held? What if you recalled that Christ came, lived, ministered, and died that we may know peace, and that Christ rose that we may share in that peace and share that peace with all? that we were reminded that there is no reason to be divided because we are equally accepted by God and we can only grow the church to the extent that we grow that peace that Christ came to build and be the cornerstone of. We can only grow as much as we are willing to tear down our walls. That if a church that is growing in numbers is a, but it's alienating its surrounding communities, is it really a growing church? It is only when we tear down our walls that we can truly have open hearts, open minds, open doors, that we can truly start to be the church built on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ's love, grace, and mercy. So what are those prejudices, those biases, those positions that you possess? What are those bricks in your wall? And how are you either actively or passively helping to build walls and barriers in our lives and in our churches and in our world? As we think about the walls in our own lives, in our own communities, in our own churches, let's start today. Let's start brick by brick, asking God to show us those prejudices, biases, and notions of our heart that can help and to help us to break down the walls that we have built one brick at a time. Amen and amen.